0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing good? Oh, I think we can do better than that. I said, how's everyone doing good? Let's give it up for Jesus in the house this morning, huh? Man, we are so excited to have you here today. How many of you guys have noticed how extreme the world is right now? How many of you guys have noticed it on social media? How extreme? Like, how many you notice you can't have an opinion on Facebook? Because no matter what, it's the wrong one. You know what I'm saying? I find myself just unfollowing people constantly. Like, I don't really need to know your opinion or your opinion. Like, I came here to meet some friends and reconnect with old friends. I didn't come here for political debates. Y'all, where's that? Where am I? Like, are y'all with me on that? But how many guys know that, like, we live in a world of extremism, don't we? Where, like, everyone's, like, extreme about their opinion, extreme about what they believe. And so, man, whether it's politics, whether uh, it's uh like how, how many guys have seen the pineapple pizza debate y'all know what i'm talking about how, how, where are my pineapple where are the pineapple goes on pizza people where y'all at all right we have an altar call at the end of this service and i want to know i want all y'all to meet jesus today okay now for the rest of y'all y'all know the pepperoni ham sausage come on some bacon where we at come on Look at that. That's right. It's almost confession time right now. When I said bacon, saw somebody almost take off. There we go. Listen, ham, right? Pretty much if it come off an animal, I'm good. So there's a few things I don't care for on my pizza. Number one is pineapple. I think that's just a dessert thing. And like I said, y'all need Jesus. The other thing that I think is, is acceptable, but I don't want it on my pizza is rabbit food. Okay. Vegetables, peppers, onions, olives. Uh, it's acceptable. I'm not hating on it. I just don't want to know mine. All right. So if we go to the Tuscan oven or Sky's pizza or something, just know you're getting your own and I'm getting mine, which I, how many guys appreciated Patrick Waters last week for you guys that were here with us? How many of you guys appreciate him? You've seen Patrick. So this makes more sense for you. Patrick Waters has a saying, Justin and I have adopted it, uh, which is every pizza is a personal pizza. If you believe in yourself, you know what I'm talking about. So, Anyways, but what we want to talk to you guys about today is a time to serve. And what I believe is that the world is in a constant state of extremism where opinions and belief systems and all this stuff that we go through. And I believe that that extremism has come from this sense of entitlement in people. And, and we're going to get into it'll make more sense in a few minutes as to why we're talking about what we're talking about and, and how we're talking about it. But I want, to, I want to talk to you because I don't believe we've always been this way. So some of you will say like I remember a time when people were more grateful or people were more, more respectful they were more this they were they were more that and and so I want to I want to look at maybe why people have changed a little bit over time let's want to talk about this the first one first reason why I think people have changed is a word acquisition say acquisition what I believe happened is is at some point in time you know some people say after some of the wars and stuff like that at some point in time we start america became a country that was looking to acquire more than they were looking to give right uh, and so they were looking to acquire so uh, and, and i think a lot of this came from when the when the income when the average income in america increased drastically which was between 1940 1940 and 1960 and then 1960 and 1980 it went from like the the whole the income for the whole country went from 78 million to like 4.3 billion during that time frame so as we got more what happens, what happens when you get more? What do you naturally want to do? Get more again, right? Because how many guys know we're never satisfied, right? We got the 16-inch pizza. We should have got the 24. Come on, somebody. Anyway, so acquisition. Like we acquired. Once we started to acquire, then what happens is we start to fall into the level of comparison. The next one is comparison. How many guys have ever compared what, something, what someone else has to what you have? Now, I used to be in sales, right? So one of the things that I would do is use sales uh, against the person I was selling to. All right, so I'm going to give you all some secrets. Are you all ready for this? No? You're not ready? Are you guys ready for this? So listen, if you, go, if, if you go to buy a new car or something, be ready for this. What they'll do is they'll use the comparison game, right? Well, they'll say, man, you drive up to this in your house, and your neighbors are going to be thinking blah. And you're like, yeah. How many of y'all like to make your neighbors jealous? You can raise your hand. It's okay, right? especially the ones you don't like, the ones that play their music way too loud at 3 a.m. We can shut that down. Anyway, so what happens is we start to compare what we have to what we don't have, and then we also compare what we have to what other people have, right? And then what happens after comparison is we get into segregation. And I'm not talking about necessarily like race or class. What I'm talking about is you naturally gravitate to people who have similar incomes and similar things that, like you do. And I could also say it this way. We naturally gravitate to people that have similar struggles, understandings, and thought patterns as us, right? And so because I I did this, that's why you can see five military guys walk into a room and they'll be together talking before they all know each other served because it's this weird thing that they have, right? And military guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know if it's a haircut. I don't know if it's the way you walk. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the gun that's on your ankle and your hip. No, I'm just kidding. Like we naturally, like we we as people kind of naturally segregate towards each other, right? But in, in the midst of segregation, that also creates separation, right? And then we go to the next one, which is idolization. Idolization. And what has happened here, and I think we've all fallen into this, especially once social media and the internet came into play because celebrities became accessible. So we have idolized people that have no business being idolized. The Kardashian sisters accomplished nothing in their life. I'm not hating on them. I'm just saying they've done nothing yet. We have an entire generation of young women who idolize these girls that have done nothing. I'm gonna say it again. Nothing like they haven't done anything, but they're idolized, right? And so what happens is that's just one example, but we idolize different people. And as we idolize people, we tend to promote their values over what we believe values should be. Well, so-and-so thinks like this, so maybe I should change how I think. Now, none of us would say that, but we could take a stroll down the lane and we could ask particularly young people whose minds are still moldable. And they'll say that their opinions match the people that they put on a pedestal. And so why have we changed? I believe we changed because it started with we became we got the ability to acquire more. Then we started comparing what we had. Then we separated ourselves based on what we had, And then we started to idolize people who had more and we took on their values. Right. And so in that, one of the things I wanted you to see, because Matthew 24, 12 says this. It says sin will be rampant everywhere And this is the part I want you to understand. And the love of many will grow cold. You want to know why I believe one of the reasons? How many guys have noticed how on social media and and on the internet and on the news, when something really good happens, it's almost like monumental. Like someone saved someone and it's like this huge deal. Because negativity consumes all of us so much that when something good happens, we're almost shocked by it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, oh my gosh, a man saved a puppy. And like we're taken over by, why? Because as society has started to move more and more towards what I would call like a secular society, as we move more and more towards idolized people, idolizing people to ha- that Jesus is not the center of their life, we've separated ourselves from where Jesus is. And that is where sin becomes rampant. And as sin becomes rampant, the love of many will grow cold. We love people less when we become more consumed with ourself. Okay? I know it's quiet in here. You're like, Pastor, you had me when we were talking about pizza, but now this is just a whole new thing, right? And so I want you to understand one of the reasons, because we're talking about I love my city, and, and today we're going to talk about why should I serve? Why should I serve? And why is it a time to serve? And we're going to talk about that a little today, a little bit today. But this quote that we put up here, it says, society has shifted from impacting others to impressing others. Society has shifted from impacting others to impressing others. And what's the key difference between there? Impacting others means I look for everything that I can give Impressing others means I'm looking for everything that I can get. And so what a time to serve because we can change that. So let's talk about what happens to us, right? Let's talk about what happens to us. Turn to your neighbor and say, what happens to us? So let's talk about that. Let's have a look at this list. What happens to us? Number one, so we start to get caught up in the pursuit of happiness. How many guys want to be happy? Guys and girls. How many how many of y'all want to be happy? So the rest of y'all just cool, right? Like y'all don't want to, eh, not really, Pastor. I don't, happiness really isn't my goal. You know, like. We all wanna get happy, right? So we get caught up in the pursuit of happiness and then what happens in our pursuit of happiness is we get caught up in a lack of satisfaction. How many guys have ever pursued happiness constantly and found yourself uh, angry, frustrated, uh, all the depressed, oppressed because you lacked a satisfaction? Where you guys, some of y'all are like, I've been working at the same job for 30 years, what you think? No, I'm just kidding. So we lack satisfaction, right? What does a lack of satisfaction lead to a lack of joy, right? So now we lack joy. How many guys know people in your life right now? You don't ever want to be around. If you can't think of someone, you might want to look in the mirror. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You are that person. No, I'm just kidding. Like a lack of satisfaction. When we constantly live a life where we're not satisfied, we start to walk out of life where we just don't have any joy. And I don't know about you guys, but I surround myself with people who have joy constantly. Listen, you hang out with me long enough, we're going to laugh. Like, I'm, I'm here to have a good time. This, should, I, I believe every day should be a party right? And don't get me wrong. I have bad days just like some of y'all have bad days. Many of y'all know this, my life for the past few years hadn't always been just a walk in the park. But can I tell you something? We're going to find joy in every opportunity to find joy because it doesn't matter what happens here today. I still get to celebrate Jesus and who he is in my life. I still get to look for every opportunity to be an impact in somebody else's life. And if I'm too worried about me, I'll never get to see the people that need the impact and I'll never get to change eternity for somebody else. And so a lack of satisfaction leads to a lack of joy. The next one, a lack of joy leads to frustration. How many of y'all have been frustrated? Married folks, raise your hand, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, can I help you out for a second? Fellas, can I help you out? If you would just put your pants six inches to the left, they'd land in the basket, and your wife don't have to worry about it anymore, all right? Wives, that was your chance, but y'all didn't say nothing, so here we are, okay? <laughs> if you just just it six inches to the left. Ladies, can y'all do us a favor? Some of y'all, I know this ain't all y'all. Can we keep the Tupperware cabinet straight, please? (laughs) This whole mis, this whole disoriented, like the lids are under and then they're over and then you open the cabinet, it all falls down. It's like the walls of Jericho in this joint. Like we just got stuff falling on top of us. I feel like a scene from a movie, as soon as I open the cabinets, like a hundred times more Tupperware comes out of it than should ever be able to fit in it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And one more thing when it comes to the Tupperware, if you don't have a lid for the container, throw the container away, okay? So just help me out with that. Greatly appreciate it. Frustration, okay? Frustration, right? So lack of joy leads to frustration. Frustration leads to anger. And I don't know about you guys, I'm not this way, and and I'm not necessarily saying that all of us are this way. But a lack of joy leads to frustration, and if you stay frustrated long enough, you just become angry. And that self-assessment moment for just a second, for you, for me, are we living a life that's constantly angry? And if the answer is yes, then why? Why are we so angry? What is the one thing in our life, if we could change it, it would take away most of our problems, right? But I do believe that what most of us would identify isn't the problem in our life. What most of us would identify is something that we could fix if we would change something inside of ourselves. In other words, the circumstance isn't what makes us frustrated, angry, dissatisfied. Our how we treat our life and what we do with our circumstance makes us frustrated, dissatisfied, and angry. And the last one we want to talk to you about anger. You say angry long enough, you're going to become depressed. And I want you guys, but. I believe we need to step into a season where depression just starts getting broken in the name of Jesus. Like, and, I, and I don't just mean saying that for the sake of cliche. I'm talking about some of you need to, I, I pray that some of you take this message and you apply it to the extent that we can see that broken in your own personal life. All right. Why is that? Because this quote right here by Alex Schweitzer says this, The only really happy people are those who have learned how to serve when we stop living life for ourselves, we start living life for other people. And when we start living life for other people, we're able to take the blinders off and realize how good some of us really have it. Like life isn't that bad for us. So I want to tell you a story out of 1 Kings 17. And and in the story, this is a, it's a story about the the widow of Zarephath. And so uh, the Lord tells Elijah there's a, 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 a drought is coming to the land. He says it's not going to rain. Nothing's going to happen. So it says this, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Karath ravine, east of the Jordan, and you will drink from the brook. Okay. And I have directed the ravens to supply, uh, supply you with food there. And so he goes to the brook, right? And so he goes, he's drinking, he's eating, like he's being sustained just as the Lord told him. How many guys have ever been in a place in your life where you had to completely rely on God? Like, I'm listening to the Lord. He's telling me I'm going to go here. So I'm going to go here, but I'm just trusting that he's going to come through for me. All right. So I, this is exactly what Elijah's doing. And so we bu- jump down to verse seven and he says this, sometime later, the brook dried up. Say dried up. The brook dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. He said, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and say there, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. All right. And so Elijah goes to uh, the widow of Zarephath. So he, he's like, oh, the Lord sent me here. He provided for me here. So now that this is dried up, he's sending me there and he's going to provide for me there. Right. The problem is many of us in our life, as we start to navigate that, when the Lord brings us to one place where he sustains us, when that no longer becomes viable for us, when, when we get to a place where we're happy and we're content, but then at some point that contentment changes, maybe you didn't change, but maybe your circumstances changed, right? Maybe you didn't change, but maybe, you know, the, the person that you were dating went buck wild. I know that's never happened to none of y'all, but they lost their mind. All right. Can I tell you something? Sometimes it's the grace of God in your life that it didn't work. All right. Or maybe you went to a job and the Lord provided that job for a season. But then all of a sudden it's like that whole thing dried up and it wasn't viable. It wasn't an option for you anymore. And can I tell you something that the Lord is still in charge even when the brook dries up? Just because it dried up didn't mean he stopped being faithful. It means he's got something else ready for you. And so the first thing that I want to point out to you in this story is that you have to recognize that you don't stay at dry brooks. Don't stay at dry brooks. Listen, when things in your life dry up, when they no longer are an option for you, and when you get to a place where that's just not working, and that's just not working, and that's just not working, can I tell you something? you got to leave the dry brook. Now, I'm not talking about your marriage. I'm not, like, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about the things that the Lord has said that you need to fight for or stay for. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things in your life that you can get out of, things you can leave, things you can depart from. The problem is sometimes our brooks, sometimes the brook was so good to us that we have a hard time seeing that we need to leave it. And so when the Lord comes to us and he says, Hey, listen, this has happened. You need to leave. We go, But God, it was so good here. He said, Yeah, yeah I'm going to be good to you there, but you have to leave here. And like I said, for some of us, we have to recognize that the Lord wants us to fight for where he's taking us, not fight for where he brought us from. He doesn't want us to be fighting for what we had. He wants, to be, he wants us to fight for what he wants to give us. Could you imagine? I, w- I was telling a buddy of mine this the other day who's just going through a tough time. And I said... 48 to 72 hours from now could be the greatest moment of your life if you'd be willing to leave where you're at right now. And could for some of you, the Lord could open doors for you in 48 to 72 hours. What if Tuesday or Wednesday the Lord did something miraculous for you, but it, it required you to make a decision on Monday that he's been telling you to make for weeks now? Like, the Lord will provide, he's faithful when he leads you, but we can't stay. At Dry Brook's, I remember I started working at a music store uh, a while back, and my dad came to me. I was making minimum wage. Like I went from making really good money at a job. I left there and I went to start working at a music store um, because I was a musician. um, Because musicians always put money in the forefront of their thought pattern. Obviously, that's a joke. We live out of vans. Okay, so. And I went to work at this music store and after I'd been there about a year, I was not making hardly any more money than I was making before, but I was buying gear at cost. And that really mattered at that time. Okay. I was single. I didn't care. So, but I remember my dad came to me and he's like, you need to leave this job. And I was like, uh, no, (laughs) um, I'm getting drum sets at cost. At one point in time I had seven drum sets folks. Okay. Who needs seven drum sets? Nobody. All right. That's more worthless than 36 purses ladies. Okay. So like, (laughs) but So I was, I'm not trying to start a war, fellas. Calm down, all right? You got the Tupperware. Take the battle. We'll fight the war later, okay? So, but I was, I remember working at the music store, and my dad came to me, you need to leave there. And I was like, nah. And at one point, we had a serious conversation. He said, I really think you need to leave. They're not paying you what you're worth, blah, blah, blah. And I I said, look, Dad, I I feel like I'm supposed to be here. I don't know why, but I feel like I'm supposed to be here. And, uh, And he said, fine, you know. You're, you're, you're an adult. Like I trust you. I just feel like you're more valuable than what they're paying you. And I said, well, we'll see. And so, um, I stayed there for a couple more years and it became evident through conversations that I was not actually there for music at all. I was there for one person and I, I would talk to him about Jesus. I would talk to him about church. I would talk to him about the life that God really wanted for him. And I'm telling you this now, he never made that decision while we worked there. Never. But as I would talk to him about it, I knew that the Lord was telling me, you're here for this one person. About three years later, that person left and found a new job. And and it was almost like the brook dried up immediately. Like there was nothing for me there anymore. And the Lord said, it's time to go. The day he put in his two weeks notice, the Lord told me it's time to go. And within a year I left, but guess where I got a job after at? The exact same place he went to. Because it wasn't about being comfortable where I was as much as it was being ready to move to where God was providing something for me. But not just for me. He was providing a purpose for me to be an impact in somebody else. And you have to be looking not to fight for dry brooks, but to be looking for where God wants to take you to next. Why? Because it's a time to serve, man. And so as I did that, I I moved to to the next spot because we don't stay at dry books and to close that portion of the story out he finally he he started buying into faith buying into faith buying into faith because i hate when people tell stories but they don't tell the end like hey what happened to the guy i want to know what happened to the guy can i tell you something jabin my son was one of the biggest reasons why he put his faith in jesus and today every time i stop into that store where he's at now he works at he asked me about Jabin, and he asked me about my faith, and he asked me about how I'm doing, and he's become the encourager to me in my time of need that I was for him in his time of need. Why? Because I was looking to make a difference because it was a time to serve. Let's keep going. First Kings 17, let's jump down to verse 13. And Elijah said to her, so Elijah gets to where he's supposed to be supplied, right? So God says, I want you to go there, and when you get there, She's going to be ready to supply uh, everything that you need. So he gets there and he says, hey, uh, she, he says, what are you doing? She's there picking up sticks and she says, I'm about to go make some meal. He, she said, so a famine, just so you're aware, a famine is hit the land and she's gathering sticks. And he says, hey, can you fetch me a cup of water? And she says, sure. And he says, also, can you get me something to eat? Because God promised that he was, she was going to provide for him. And she says, uh, all I've got is Enough meal and oil to make me and my son something to eat. That's all we have. So we're going to eat and then we're going to die. That was as bad as it had got for her, right? And so Elijah said to her, starting in verse 13, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself. Before your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And so we have two people here that's actually needing a blessing, right? So Elijah's been sent from God, but he's needing something. How many guys have ever felt like you were doing exactly what the Lord told you? And as you got there, you were like, oh, God, I'm going to need you to show up and put something here for me because I don't see it, right? But at the same time, he gets there, and the person that's supposed to be a blessing to him is needing a blessing. Come on. She's like, I ain't got enough for you. Right? Like at the Livingston house, we're going to eat. Come on. Hey. Right? Now we might, if we got to choose between food and electricity, we might eat in the dark, right? <laughs> but we're going to eat. Okay. It's the way I was raised. I don't know what to tell you. So, but, but here she's saying, we don't even have enough. Like we don't have, I don't all we have enough for me and my son, one more meal. And he says, if you give me the first of what you have, then you'll never go hungry again. Is essentially what Elijah saying. And what I want you to understand about this particular point is we we have Elijah, the servant of the Lord, and we have a widow with a son who's barely getting by. But can I tell you something? This next point on your notes, nobody is above or below a blessing. Nobody's above or below a blessing. Sometimes we look at people and they say, oh, they're fine. Like, they don't need any help. They don't need any encouragement. Can I tell you something? Sometimes a CEO needs encouragement and needs to meet Jesus just as bad as somebody that doesn't have anywhere to live. Nobody's above or below a blessing. Right? I I love Karen's story that she told after worship today. And one of the parts of the story was that the person that she got to talk to about Jesus and be a blessing to was the son of the owner of the skating rink. So I doubt that kid was hurting. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So he may have had a lot of the things he wanted, but he didn't have the one thing that he needed. Because nobody's above or below a blessing. I look for every opportunity to impact the president of a company just like I look for the impact to, on the janitor of the company. Why? Because everybody needs the blessing. First, first Kings, let's keep going. 17, 15 to 16 says, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. That when Elijah was obedient to go to where God sent him, she was obedient to put in the work and put the faith into practice. Sometimes you're going to be the person that needs to go where God's trying to send you. But sometimes God's going to send you someone and you need to be looking for the person that you can impact their life. But can I tell you something? We're not always, we're not just looking for someone that doesn't have something to eat. We're not just looking for someone that doesn't have a place to live. We're not just looking for that. We are looking for that. We're looking for every single person we can impact with the gospel of Jesus. The good news We're looking for every person that we can touch, every person that we can reach with the good news. I don't know about you guys, but when Jesus came into my life, hope came into my life. For some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was like you were wandering around in a desert with nowhere to go And the day you met Jesus. I wouldn't say everything became 100% better. Everything in your life didn't just turn around. There are still some things you're working through right now, even with Jesus on your side. But I can tell you this, it's better knowing where you're going than wandering around in a desert. Because Jesus brings hope into our life. He, he brings a future that we didn't have. He brings a direction that maybe we didn't understand. And, and just like Elijah, he knew where he was going, but he didn't know what he was going to get when he got there. And sometimes we know where we're going, but we're not sure what we're going to get when we get there. But Or some of us are like the widow where we know where we're at, but we're not sure where God's going to bring a provision from. And so some of us are in that place where we know where we're at and we're comfortable where we're at, but we're saying, God, we need you to bring something into our life to create a change. Wherever you're at, nobody's above or below a blessing. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this last point is that the blessing is in the blessing. The blessing that you need, whatever it is in your life, you need more joy, that's gonna come from blessing someone else. You need more hope, that's gonna come from being an impact in someone else's life. Right, You're fighting, maybe you're battling anger, depression. You need to put yourself in a position where you can interact with someone and be a blessing to them so that you can see what you're going through isn't that bad. Someone asked me just a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were in New Jersey. And while we were up there, they said that, uh, how are you guys doing? If it's your first time here, if you're new, my wife and I, we lost a child, uh, our boy about six weeks ago. Now, five weeks ago, six weeks ago, he went home to be with the Lord and one of my friends was asking they said you know how are you how are you doing you know in 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 our world of course that's like catastrophic like that's that's a pain we hope no one goes through right but i told them i said you want me to be honest with you i said we're not the first people in the world to lose a child not only that we're not the first person we're not the first parents in our church to lose a child so as much as I appreciate the prayers and all those things. We need to recognize that we're not the only people experiencing pain. There's people in our church who are going through the exact same thing we're going through, but they don't have the people helping them that we have. Many of you you and myself included, we don't know the struggle of the faces of the people we shake hands with every week, let alone the struggle of the people that we meet at Chick-fil-A tomorrow, right or KFC or Sky's pizza or Tuscan oven graffiti pizza no y'all But you guys get what I'm saying We don't know everyone's struggle So if we're waiting for someone to share something catastrophic before we become an impact we'll never become an impact More importantly, we don't just look to help serve people we know, we should be looking to serve people we don't know. And so in that, where do we go from here? I wanna give you a few steps as we wrap this up. Where do I go from here, Pastor? How do I help? How do I find the blessing in the blessing? Because the blessing you need is gonna be found in blessing someone else. Well, number one is commit to serve. Some of you need to make a decision today. One person a week, maybe one person a day. Pastor Dan used to have a saying, and I think we should readopt it. You shouldn't lay your head down on a pillow any time for the night before you can write down on a, pen, on a pad next to your bed someone that you've impacted that day. Maybe it's a handshake. In our, in our lobbies right now, we've got little cards that says something extra to show you God loves you. And we'll go through the drive-through and we'll buy the, the meal for the person behind us. And we'll just tell the person at the window, hey, I wanted to pay for their meal. Give this card to the person behind us. Now you wanna make sure they're not buying breakfast for the whole office. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, what's the total back there? Like, nah, we'll try that tomorrow, okay? <laughs> the, the the lady at Dunkin' Donuts on Nine Mile, she's awesome. And her past, uh, pastor and I have been We're trying to to get somewhere with her and and minister to her and and I'll come through and I'll say, what's the total? She said, come back tomorrow. They're buying breakfast for everybody today. I'm like, appreciate that. Thank you very much. I ain't trying to pay my electric bill for someone else's breakfast. You know what I'm saying? But all that to say like, man, commit to serve. Make a decision now. I'm not gonna go to bed one night until I know that I've impacted somebody with the hope of Jesus. Number two, start with one because we're gonna interact with strangers out in the world, but I think all of us need to commit to one person at a time to not just talk to them about Jesus, but engage their world. I have a neighbor right now. I hope he's not watching our live streams. gonna be really awkward. I have a neighbor right now. He's my one. Him and his wife, they're gonna know Jesus. Him and his wife, They're going to come to church or they're going to find a church because this ain't the only church in Pensacola. We don't pretend that. There's a lot of great churches here. So they're either going to come to church or they're going to go to church. They're going to give their life to Jesus. They're going to come to church. They're going to raise their kids in the word. And I'm going to see their life changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm starting with one. And once he's done, I'm going to start with another one. And once that person's done, I'm going to start with another one. But if you're always focused on changing someone else's life, you never have time to be consumed by your own. Number three, join and start a project. So for serve day, we have serve day coming up in two weeks. I'm super pumped about serve day. I love serve day because it's our opportunity to come, like to engage the world around us. I know a few of the things we're looking at is doing. We're going to be working at the Miracle League, which is a baseball field with kids for special needs. I think we have some painting projects. What you can do is we have serve day um, stations where we have the, the all the information. Karen and their team will be ready to give you any information. If you wanna view the projects, um, grab it. hopefully on the way in, you got a sheet that shows you how to download the Serve Day app on your smartphones, all right? So everyone 60 and under, listen, no, I'm just kidding, right? Like if you wanna download the Serve Day app, you can join a project right there. I encourage you to do that. But if you want help, please come see one of us as staff members. We'll be glad to plug you in. But here's the deal join or start a project maybe you know an old lady on your block or someone that's not old but a guy that's on your block that's been going through a hard time his grass is getting high in your neighborhood man you start a project and let some of us join that project with you let's go make an impact in that person's life in your neighborhood maybe you know someone from work that could use some help right now with rebuilding a fence man start that project we'll send a couple people from the church and we'll go help that happen why because the blessing is in the blessing and then number four no matter what we do let's commit to making a difference together because now is the time to serve like we said earlier in a world where we've all become consumed with the things we're trying to do for us, let's make a commitment right now to do something for somebody else. Why? This quote is the end for us. Joyful people are serving people. Joyful people are serving people. Let's do it together in Jesus' name. Let's pray, guys. Father, we thank you that you've brought us to a place, God, where you're in control. God, first, I pray for anyone that's here that, God, maybe they're, they're at a place where they've been staying at dry brooks too long. God, I pray that you engage them and tell them it's, it's time to move, it's time to go, it's time to do something. God, maybe we've just become so fixed on ourselves that we've lost track of who you are. God, help us see the world around us, help us to make a difference. God, maybe we've found ourselves at a place where we don't realize that we actually have the hope in us. So Father, those that have been broken, those that are hurting, those that feel like they maybe they've got nothing to offer, maybe they're so dissatisfied with their own life, they don't feel like they can be a blessing to someone else. God, I, help, I pray that you help us all, all of us see that we can, we can be an impact to someone else. Even if life isn't what we want it to be, God, you can help us recognize that some things don't have to change, for us to change how we feel about our situation. Sometimes our situations don't need to change, how we feel about our situations need to change. So God, I pray for every single person that's here and every person that's watching us online, God, that you would help us see that our hope is in you and that we can make a difference because now is the time to serve. In a world full of extremism, in a world full of opinions, and in a world full of saying, I'm right and everyone else is wrong, Let us be an impact to a world that we can introduce to Jesus, in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, we wanna give you an opportunity today. Maybe things in your life aren't exactly where you want them to be, or maybe everything in your life is great, but you know that something's missing and that something is Jesus. The beauty of the gospel is this, that when Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross not to change your behavior, not to change your habits. That wasn't his goal. He went to the cross so that you could spend eternity with him. So that all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus. The Bible says that if you want an eternity with him, if you wanna know Jesus, if you want him to take control of your life, all you have to do is repent of where you're at, repent of your sins and turn towards him and put your faith in him. And so today, maybe some of you in this room are going, pastor, I need something to change in my life. I need Jesus to take control and I need to give him my everything. I wanna I wanna follow Jesus, I wanna give him my life. I want to be saved. And if that's you today, I'm not gonna come to you, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna point you out. I wanna pray for you and I wanna invite you to some next steps. If that's you today, you say, Pastor, I wanna give Jesus my life. Would you raise your hand right where you sit? God bless you. God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Like I said, we're not here to embarrass you. We want to pray for you today. Is there more? We've already had hands go up. I want Jesus to take control of my life, Pastor. Maybe you're watching us online and you say, that's me. I want to give Jesus my life. Here's what we're going to do. Putting your faith in Jesus makes you saved. But let's put our words and our actions to match that faith. And I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me today. And the whole church is gonna pray with you so you're not praying it by yourself, all right? So let's pray this prayer church with our brothers and sisters and say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins, forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean, make me pure, and make me whole. I believe you lived a perfect life, you died on the cross, and you rose three days later. Through your life and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I wanna follow you for all my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And TC, put your hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time. Man, we celebrate with you, awesome, awesome, awesome.